Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, we somehow don't have a rule against what I'm about to do yet, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to start the podcast off by reading you a tweet from the eternally online Bill James. Wow. Did not have the foresight to make this a banned topic coming into the year, which maybe that's on me. That's fine. There's going to be a lot of things that we missed. Yeah. That should have been banned. And we can ban along the way. Right. Is, that, is that okay? Do you want to just ban uh, ban as we go? I I mean, if if we're taking a lead from Major League Baseball, I think we can kind of tweak with the rules really at any point. Whenever we want. We don't even have to tell people. As long as we have re- rules that you guys, you guys don't even know about. As long as it's a reactionary knee-jerk reaction to a somewhat minor issue, I think I think we're in the clear. Okay, sounds good. Um, here's the tweet. At this point, I am completely puzzled by what is keeping the A's in Oakland. San Antonio, New Orleans, Charlotte, Jacksonville, lost wages. There has to be something in the world better for them than waiting around for Oakland to get serious. I don't, where's lost wages? I don't. Is that a few miles outside Las Vegas or... (laughs) Um, it's in every city in America, Alex. Get serious <laughs> about corporate wage theft. Jeez, you're not a real leftist. Um, I don't really understand. I think he's trying to make a joke, which never really goes well for him, mm-hmm. particularly on Twitter, as we know from all of his um, racist tweets in the past. <laughs> um, headline here, Bill James doesn't know why the Oakland A's want to stay in Oakland. <laughs> I feel like we've lost the thread a little bit on the A's conversation. It's sort of impossible to have a normal opinion on it. Yes. Like, you and I, I think, are in really deep, really in the weeds of how that situation is is playing out, where sometimes we might, you know, miss the forest for the trees, but... Nope, not possible. Not possible. Uh, we are always correct. But there's there's also the the section of baseball Twitter, or not even baseball Twitter, but just baseball fans who are kind of on the other side of the glass, right? We're on the other side of the door. Shout out Taylor Swift. Shout out Taylor Swift. I could see in your eyes that that was a Taylor Swift reference, mm-hmm. so I needed to point that out to the listeners that might have missed that. And it seems like Bill James might be one of those folks. So you think that Bill James just wants it to be over? Like, he's just like, let's move on and the A's are going to leave? This would make my life as a fan easier? I mean, I suppose this is a really... Bill James is not a fan of baseball, by the way. <laughs> right. He's a consultant for the Red Sox. I mean, this is a really reductive and also easy take to make right of like a's attendance is bad and they haven't been able to get a stadium yet so why why haven't they just left yet right which like sure i guess you can ask that question if you if you don't have any understanding of how these developments actually take place what the conversations are that are that are happening right now both in oakland and in las vegas right but also you're Bill James, so you maybe you sh- maybe you should. But even if he doesn't like, even if even if we set aside what Bill James actually wants to happen, which is not even worth speculating about, 
don't you think we should be approaching this conversation with it's bad to take teams out of cities? Like that's never really been a good thing when it's happened. It's it should be a last resort. So I don't understand Bill James being like, what's keeping the A's in Oakland? The fact that they're already there right. is what's keeping them in <laughs> Oakland. What do you mean? What's keeping them? What was keeping the Supersonics in Seattle? Yeah. The fact that they already were there. Right. They, and had, they had a fan base there. A fan base, a stadium. A fan base say. that's still really upset that the team moved 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually 25 years ago. However many years ago it was. 15, 20 years. Um, Maybe 17. I think... <laughs> 12. We'll hit on it eventually. <laughs> just start counting and I'll just keep going to make my point. Um, that's all I wanted to, to point out. I just don't understand how people it's now flipped and now some people are rooting for the A's to leave Oakland in a weirdly sadistic kind of way. If the A's leave Oakland, it, it would make so many millions of people upset. Yeah, Bill James clearly not being one of those folks. But yes, you're well, right. James I, is not a man of the people. <laughs> I suppose it's not surprising that he's taking a more cut and dried perspective, almost like a business minded perspective of like, well, there aren't any fans there and they don't have a great stadium. So why don't they just move? Which again, you know, it's just not that easy, right? Like I guarantee you, frankly, if the A's could have moved they they probably would have at this point like if they like actually if it was just easy if that if was the was, path of least resistance right exactly like if they had another city lined up to give them the handout right now they would probably take it but those things kind of take years yep a lot of a lot of bribes mm-hmm. a lot of alleged bribes <laughs> need to be made exactly alleged <laughs> um okay let's stop talking about this topic of conversation before we get sued do you think bill james is gonna come for us for like defamation no, I think the A's are going to come for us for <laughs> alleging that they're taking bribes to move the team to Las Vegas. <laughs> this is parody. I like how you can't even tell which thing we're going to get the cease and desist for. Right, exactly. Speaking of cease and desist. We have some new shirts out. <laughs> Many of you might have seen already that we put out three new t-shirt designs. They're all the creative product of my co-host sitting across from me right now. His name is Alex Baisley. Uh, we have three new designs. Uh, one new unionize the miners design in blue and orange yes. blue and orange in unionize blue, the in miners. blue and orange one new tongue-in-cheek tipping pitches design that says tax reset team control future value and financial flexibility and a third one my favorite one it says baseball for the many not the few with some some lovely butterflies adorning the letters in that phrase if you are a deep cut fan of tipping pitches you'll know that that's the description in our twitter bio and underneath our podcast right even maybe not even a deep cut fan maybe you've just just recently been on our social medias right exactly (laughs) um i love all of these shirts i will be acquiring all of these shirts you too can acquire all of these shirts if you are listening to this podcast if you signed up for our patreon last week in the first week that it was live you should have received a 20 percent discount code in your patreon inbox so if you haven't seen that yet, make sure you go check to see what that code is before you check out. And other than that, Alex, I don't think that there's any other housekeeping things that I need to tell people about the merch. Is there? No, I don't think so. Um, except maybe where to get them. You can go to tippingpitches.myshopify.com or 
tiny.cc slash nationalize. We've got we've got those new shirts and and a whole bunch more of other unionize the miners themed ones. We've got some other fun ones on there. I know that if you enjoy this podcast, you'll you'll find something in that store that piques your interest. So definitely go check that out. I'm currently building up my own collection of them at the moment. So. I'm running out of space yes. here. Yeah. I got fewer drawers in this apartment than I had in my Los Angeles apartment. Right. And so the, the last thing I need is more t-shirts, which is why that's the piece of merch <laughs> that we keep making. Listen, people love t-shirts. I don't know what to tell you. You know what else people love? Stickers. You can also buy stickers at our merch store, or you can get sent a pack of stickers if you sign up for the middle or highest tier of our Patreon. We're going to talk more about the Patreon at the end of this episode. Um, but preliminarily, a huge, huge, huge thank you to everybody who signed up in the first week. It's been overwhelming and validating and motivating. And we can't thank everybody enough. I just feel like I had to say that off top. But more on that later when we read every single one of your names at the end of this podcast, because that's what we promised to do. Uh, we're going to talk about the ball being as dead as ever. We're going to talk about if A-Rod were commissioner. We're going to answer some of your questions. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Bobby, on on the way over here, <laughs> I did the damn thing. What is the damn thing? As some of you may know, last Monday was not only the official launch of the Patreon. It was the official launch of the 50, 56, 40? 50, I thought it was 50, 54, 54, 60. 60? 65, 42? I, I can't remember. Maybe it's remarkable that I can't remember, uh, given how many times that number was uttered in the first 20 minutes of the new Joe West podcast, baby. Uh, you are known to really buy in on these sorts of things, to actually listen to the Joe West podcast, yeah. to actually sign up for the fans union mm-hmm. newsletter, to actually do free trials of truth social. I don't right, know. Exactly. <laughs> Hop onto parlor, you know, know your enemy, right? <laughs> My biggest takeaway is that Joe West should just write a a book. Yeah. Or have someone ghost write a book for him. Probably. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because because I'll give it to him. Dude has a lot of anecdotes. Lots of stories. Whenever whenever you've umped fifty four sixty. Fifty six forty. Fifty six forty. I will get it. I promise. Forty six fifty. Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. That's not enough. No. 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 Come on. You've definitely seen some stuff, but it's it's kind of funny because his his co-host kind of asks the same question three or four times of like, so listen. <laughs> <laughs> Tread lightly. We're sitting in a glass house right now. We Alex. are. We are. And no roast to the to the co-host who was genuinely trying to get Joe West to answer the question. So how'd you get your start? How you know, you've you've umped this many games, take us back to the beginning. And he kind of just keeps telling story like going on tangents right well you know um i at uh in, in, in san diego padres games every saturday and sunday that you know uh the the navy and the army and all those guys come out and they do and, and they sing they sing their their songs and uh he he unprompted mentioned trump at at, at one point he 
He and to be he, clear, you only made it through twenty yes, minutes of this the first podcast. twenty minutes of this okay, podcast. Great. Good yeah, time. yeah. He he no, he recounts a time in which he told a friend that Trump really needs to go to umpiring school so that he knows when to argue and when not to argue. I guess I guess that's one of the schools that he should go to. <laughs> this came up in the first twenty minutes. Yes, dude. I'm <laughs> not convinced that you're telling me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> he recounted a uh, a Tony Blair quote, which he says that he says every time he goes and does an appearance on a podcast or something like that. The quote is that uh, I guess Tony Blair was asked at one point why he always takes up for Americans, and Blair responded, uh, uh, "There's two reasons. One, you you look at how many people are going into the country and how many people are leaving." I don't know what the fuck that tells you about who to take up for, but um, he says the other reason is that the only two people who ever died for you, Jesus Christ and the American GI. And Joe West finds a way to work this into every podcast appearance. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, now I'm convinced that we need to get him on. We kind of do. If, If only to try and disprove this narrative. I like the first question is like, so Joe, new podcast, what's it been like? He answers. Second, second question. All right, top five Tony Blair quotes. Level with me. <laughs> He's like, ready? Pulls out a notebook. Where does Joe West live? Did he happen to mention that in the first twenty minutes of the he pod? Did not, he did not. Because I'm only getting it. him in person. He has to be right there to my left. Can you imagine right if now. Joe West was standing? In He's on your right six, <laughs> talking about Tony Blair and the American GI. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer is fifty-four sixty. I have confirmed. 5460. Okay. I will get it right. They, it's they, easy to remember because 54 is a smaller number than 60. It's like you're counting but forgot a few few numbers. You're going to remember that like that. You know now. what? I, I actually probably will. Yep. So, so will all of our listeners. A little disappointed in the listenership. Only 33 ratings, 4.1 stars. Get your shit up, Joe. Come on. Yeah. We're over 100. 4.9 stars. Yeah. Well, it took it us a few years. <laughs> they don't need to know that. This is produced by a company called Podcast Heat. Sounds like a fake podcasting company to me. Yeah. All right. Do you have any more takeaways from the Joe West podcast, the 5460? I still wasn't convinced that was the right number when I said it out loud. <laughs> 54. 60. 60. 54 lower. Yeah. Um, uh, he did say one thing that resonated with me, which was that he thinks that baseball is a reflection of society. Nailed which, it. Which, which I agree. And sounds he, a little bit like he's been listening to the pod. Mm-hmm. He said, because when things get out of hand, Means you didn't put your foot down. Oh, mm. okay. All right. You lost me, Joe. You See, had like, me, and then you lost me. It doesn't even sound fun. That's I why I didn't listen to it. I know. I, I know. saw a few people like from our online circles who were like, "Oh, I'm gonna go listen to this. It's gonna be so funny." It doesn't really seem like it was that funny. And it's an hour and forty six minutes long. Hour. The first episode is an hour and forty six minutes long, and it's about Joe West. Like, keep some in the fucking chamber, dog. Like, you got to do. I, I don't know what contract you send with fake podcasting company podcast heat but you probably got to do more episodes than just five right i mean the the conceit of this show is a review of the life of umpire joe west and the first episode is about the life of umpire joe west where do you where do you go now it's like the first chapter of your book being a summary of the whole book <laughs> right exactly like you can choose whether you listen or not to the rest i know joe west talking Olivia Rodrigo next? Like, wow. Noted baseball fan, Olivia Rodrigo. That's right. Noted New York Mets fan. Mm. Refused to entertain 
the possibility that she might have been at the Phillies Mets game last Sunday because she's a Phillies fan. I, mean, I don't think I could sit with that. She's from California, so my best guess is the answer I don't think, is neither. Yeah, I don't think there's a single Phillies fan that was born in California. No. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think there's one. I agree. Why would you choose the Phillies? <laughs> <laughs> like the culture around them? <laughs> yeah. No. No. And that's not even to say there's not a bunch of Phillies fans all over the, the country. Philadelphia is a wonderful place. Right, the, the the Phillies diaspora. That's right. Um, the fanatic just really draws everybody in nationwide. Okay. Uh, can we talk about the dead ball? Yeah. If you are anywhere on baseball Twitter or you consume any baseball content, one of the bigger storylines of the early season, aside from the Mets being the best team of all time, is that the ball is not flying like it used to. Now, you and I have discussed this quite a bit on the podcast. The, the meddling that Major League Baseball has done with the ball itself. Um, I believe it was midway through 2015 when writers and coaches and players started to notice that the ball was flying out of the park more than it had for the rest of the decade prior to that. And then it peaked around from 2017 to 2019 when the ball seemed like every ball that was hit in the air was leaving the yard. And obviously pitchers noticed this. Uh, obviously hitters noted that noticed this some benefit benefited from it more than others, particularly the guys who have what we call warning track power. And all of a sudden that was like 15th row into left or right field power. Uh, they dead in the ball in 2021 without telling anyone about it. It was discovered. They, they fessed up to it. And now heading into 2022, we know that they've taken a little bit off the ball, but we don't know exactly what they've done with it. And also some players are, are still challenging the assertion that the ball is consistent. Some players still feel like there are different types of balls being put in play so that MLB can test to see the run scoring environment based on the baseball. Is that a good enough summary of where we're at with the juiced or de-juiced ball in the larger major league baseball world? I think so. I mean, the, Probably the biggest indictment on where we're at is that it's really hard to keep track about where we're at with the arguably the 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 central item to the sport. We can, we don't really know what's up with it if it's up or if it's down. So yes, that was, that was good. Pitchers hate the ball this year because they can't get a grip on it, and one of the changes that they made to it, um, starting around 2019 and 2020 and 2021 was that they lowered the seam height, which makes it also harder to get a grip on certain pitches because you can't use those those raised seams to get the specific grip that you need, particularly for things like off-speed pitches. Now, the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because Mark Normandon wrote in his newsletter this past week, which is wonderful. If you don't follow Mark's newsletter and you like this show, I suggest that you check it out. He sends it every once in a while. It's not too long. Very digestible, very uh, labor-friendly, just like this podcast. And Mark was talking about how this is a labor issue. Now, we've talked about this in the past, of course, because if you don't know what kind of ball you're using, it affects certain types of players in very specific ways. The ball is dead this year, and so... Right. It, which, there's there's increased drag on the ball, right? Like, baseball... Pers- 
places like Baseball Prospectus have used publicly available data to show that the ball is just simply not flying as far as it has in years past. And that obviously benefits pitchers because that keeps fly balls in the park, keeps ERAs down, keeps home run rates down, which, because baseball is a zero-sum game, hurts hitters. Um, Right at the same time that younger hitters are becoming the most valuable players in baseball and younger hitters who can make the most both on the free agent market but also in the arbitration system before we get ahead of ourselves and get too far into conspiracy world into the the pete alonzo conspiracies of the world i want i wanted to ask you do you think that there is intent behind this ball change do you think that it's malicious if you do think there is intent and what do you think is motivating them to change the ball? Uh, so in order, yes, I believe there's intent. You know, what, what they are trying to do is probably less clear. Um, but baseball owns Rawlings, which manufactures these baseballs. They own the means of production. There's no way that they have no idea what's going on with the balls that are in play right now, right? Damn. I mean, if they did there's your scandal, right? That's that is a far bigger story. We just don't even check them. <laughs> just give us the balls. So, I mean, to be fair, that's what they claimed for like the last five years. Yes. Until our friend Bradford William Davis, along with Meredith Wills, basically exposed that they had to know what was going on. Right. Which always good when you come out and say you actually, you actually just don't know what's up right. with, with the baseball. Um. So, so yes, I think they, are aware of this and there's some sort of intent. Do I think it's actively malicious? No, not necessarily because I, I maybe don't think that they are savvy enough to navigate some of the more conspiratorial ideas that have been put forth, right? In adjusting the balls to potentially dampen free agency spending, uh, Recently, I believe there was a there was a player or some sort of some quote that came out from someone in the game who suggested that they were putting using live balls in the playoffs, right, to kind of increase the the offense there. Yeah, that was the Mets again. Yeah. Yep, there we go. The Mets love to talk about the ball. But that third question is the hardest one to answer, right? Because right. it doesn't even necessarily seem that they really know what they're trying to do, right? Yes. Baseball is at this really weird crossroads right now where Pitchers are better than they've ever been before, right? They're throwing harder than they ever have, which means that offense is naturally down. They're also trying to balance the length of games as well, which more offense often leads to longer baseball games. So there are all these variables that they're trying to navigate that it seems like they think they can solve just by tinkering with the ball itself. But when you zoom out and and look at all of this kind of laid out, it's really unclear to me why they would want something like a dead ball right now. When pitchers are having a hard time getting a grip on the ball, pitchers are throwing as hard as they ever have. You already have a a system in place, the the pitch clock that is proving to actually shave meaningful minutes off of games in the minor leagues. So I don't know. I guess I'll 
I'll turn it back to you. Like, do you think that they have a plan behind this? Because I'm struggling to see what it is. And I'm really just kind of frustrated that we're having to like talk in circles around this issue, like for, for years now. No. And I, I, that's why I asked you because I can't understand why they would deaden the ball in this way. If the question is, if the problem is, okay, there's too much offense, which isn't the problem. Right. And never was. Right. I can't understand why messing with the ball is a solution. And I can't understand it even more if it's the problem is that games are too long. I can't understand why messing the ball, messing with the ball is part of the solution. The only thing that I can think of, if we're to say, okay, what you said about MLB is not savvy enough to screw with the upcoming free agent class by changing the ball, which I don't know if I believe. I think that they probably could do it don't think that they would because they already have enough built-in advantages that they don't need to to go this far out of their way to try to screw with upcoming free agents or players that are about to hit arbitration the only thing that i can think of is okay here's the problem three true outcomes home runs walks strikeouts the reason if they think that the reason that so many players started to say i will take my best swing on every pitch because the ball is flying out and there's way more upside there for me because I can hit 35 to 50 home runs per year now because of the ball. And if now they're trying to say we take that away and it has the opposite effect. It has guys not trying to hit home runs every time they go up to the plate so that they're just trying to put the ball back in play because they are so desperate to have the ball put in play more frequently because now you can go like 20 minutes at a time without ever seeing a ball put in play. The average length between balls put in play in baseball right now is like eight minutes, eight real time minutes. Yeah. Which is, although I think it's back up this year, right? Like balls are in play more than they, this year than they have been. Yes. In, that was last, in the last few years. Number. Yeah. Yes. But that just seems like such a galaxy brain solution. And when you combine it with the fact that there's absolutely no transparency around it, to me, it almost doesn't even matter whether they're intending to screw with players and, mess with arbitration or not because ultimately what you have done here is you've said we're helping pitchers combined with the fact that teams are using way more relievers than ever and starters are not getting the bulk of that help anymore because they almost pitch the same amount of innings as relievers these days what you're saying is that the class of people that is helped most by this is relief pitchers and relief pitchers make the least amount of money like they make less money than top end starters they don't do well in arbitration because they don't amass that many counting stats. They don't pitch as many innings. They don't get as many wins. Most relievers are not closers, so they don't get saves. The strikeout rate and the home run to fly ball ratio is not helping you in arbitration, as we learned when we brought Jerry Blevins on the podcast. And so ultimately what you're doing is you're manipulating the market. Whether that was your intent or not, it's your obligation to run this game in a transparent and fair way if you want anybody to give you any credibility when CBA negotiations roll around. And that's not what they're doing. And coming out of a CBA, it's just even more clear to me that they just have blatant disregard for players, whether that's in a labor context or whether that's just in the, a generic, their role in the sport context. Like these guys are the guys that actually have to go out and play with this ball. And you're just like not telling them what you're going to do. Yeah. Usually I don't get this mad about MLB's like incompetence. I get mad about their maliciousness. 
But I'm so mad about it because it's so present in every single game. Every fly ball that dies at the warning track, you're like, was that because of the ball? And I don't know if it was. I don't know if it just happened to catch a slipstream in the air and and not make it as far as it was going to go or if it just happened to be a colder night than I paid attention to when I was listening to the beginning of the broadcast or the launch angle was just not right for that particular pitch and that particular swing with that particular exit velocity. But I know that when I'm sitting there watching games, I'm like, did that only stay in the yard because the ball is dead? And most people that I observe, whether that's just all our two online friends, most people that I observe are having the same question. And that's a really bad place for the game to be. Yeah, well, and it's even worse when the players themselves are asking the same questions publicly to the media, right? I think your sport is not in a good place if for the last seven years, the biggest storyline, or at least the most consistent storyline, is that no one knows what the hell is going on with the baseball. That strikes me as maybe not being a great sign. Like Maybe you're not doing a great job at leading the sport. And like I'm kind of past the point of, I think I'm past the point of thinking that the league will come to their senses voluntarily right? Like that they will just be able to fix this overnight. They'll hear the complaints, the concerns, and they'll say, you're right. Let's go back to the way it was. Let's full transparency. We have all these other uh, rule changes kind of in the works. Let's maybe try have a consistent variable in there, which like that is is like a whole other part of the the thing is like if you have all these other trials going on what does changing a key part of the game consistently do to those results right yes. like it feels like it's kind of hard to actually get a good read on how effective these rule changes actually are yes and i'm not even like i don't think that they were particularly transparent about the ball throughout baseball history i mean i know that everybody knows about the dead ball to the live ball era, but that was over 100 years ago now. (laughs) We haven't got that much transparency from MLB since then about the ball, basically. And, you know, a lot of people can make convincing arguments about the steroid era having a juiced ball back then, too. Like, that it wasn't just people taking steroids. It wasn't just that everybody in the league was taking steroids. It could have been a compounding factor in why there are so many home runs back then. And we so then, if you except that that might be possible, then you have a a pretty long track record of the league saying, hey, we want more eyeballs, let's juice the ball. And then the fallout from de-juicing it is awful run-scoring environments and just a general inconsistency about how pitchers are supposed to get hitters out and how hitters are supposed to not get out. <laughs> like, it's it's just it's just weird, man. It's just weird that this is the sport that we love. And that these are the these are the problems that we have with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they keep repeatedly undermining any sort of faith that that fans or players may have in them, right? Which at this point is probably already not very much. And I really don't know why you would want another yeah. reason for players, especially not to trust you, especially like you mentioned, coming out of really contentious heated cba battle i think the well it's so frustrating that this is just not was not a topic during the cba battle yeah 
or if it was a topic, it got dismissed so fast that it's now uh, it's now nothing. As Jeff Passman would put it, it's a nothing burger. Because <laughs> <laughs> we just lived through an entire CBA 2015 through 2021 where they were meddling with the ball and there was nothing that we could do about it. And now we're about to live with another one because there's no course of action here. Like players can't call a strike because they're sick of the ball. Yeah. Fans are not going to protest the game because they're sick of the ball. This is just going to be the next five years. Yeah. Because where are you going to go, right? <laughs> I didn't even, we didn't even put this, we didn't even <laughs> name this, this topic and we somehow, we brought it full where circle anyway. Go, but we brought it full circle anyway. <laughs> um, okay. Last thing on this. So a couple of years ago when Pete Alonso accused Major League Baseball of changing the ball based on the majority of the upcoming free agent class. When he said, if there's a lot of hitters in the next class, they dead in the ball. And if there's a lot of pitchers in the next class, they make it live. It's a real thing that Pete Alonso said to reporters. Mm-hmm. At the time, what would you have given that on the false flag meter? The one to ten? I guess is, is the question, how much did you believe it? One being, you don't believe it at all. Ten being, you do believe it. Amazing false flag by MLB. <laughs> See, I th- I thought maybe the question is, was Pete Alonso himself the false flag? Right? Was <laughs> oh, okay, is he okay. trying to sow discord? Maybe? Okay, right. Uh, he's like Juan Guaido or whatever, <laughs> his, whatever his name is. Wow, it's a name I've not heard in a long time. Um, I I think I would probably give it like a four. Okay. Uh, You're really wrestling with this answer. It's a made-up segment. I know. It is a made-up segment. Uh, what would you give it now, then? For then, what now? How much has MLB done to convince you that they are running a conspiracy? I almost think it maybe has decreased wow. s- since then. Okay. Because, I mean, and and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I have not run the data. Pretty safe to assume that before we say any statements yeah, on this podcast. Much. Yeah. but. <laughs> I mean, I I guess I'd be curious if there's any, if there are any intrepid listeners out there who right. are interested in looking at it, tracking the deadening or livening of the ball of the ball versus the upcoming free agent class. I'd I'd love to know. Um, again, things are changing so rapidly, and they're using multiple types of balls in the middle of the season. Like it feels more like meddling for its own sake than it does actually trying to have a concrete impact on, say, an upcoming free agent class. Like it seems more like they kind of just like can't make up their minds while they're setting the rules, which again right. is maybe a defining factor of Rob Manfred's rather tenure. than like a sneak attack from behind. It's more like the kid that just kind of throws his fists in every direction when he wants to fight exactly. someone. It's like, you, you don't know what the fuck we're going to do. Right. We're yeah. crazy. <laughs> we'll change the ball tonight. We'll use a different ball in the sixth inning. <laughs> we're just going to punch in every direction and kick in every direction. Exactly. We might hit ourselves. Um, okay. We know that Rob Manfred has not done well with the dead ball. But what would a, what would a different commissioner do, Alex? Hmm. What would a maybe a Gary Bettman, a Adam Silver, mm-hmm. Roger Goodell, yeah, or maybe an Alex Rodriguez. Mm. What would Alex Rodriguez do? Not just with the baseball, but what would he do if he was the commissioner of baseball today? You don't have to wait much longer to find out the answer. Alex Rodriguez on Sunday Night Baseball last week decided to just tell us his first 100 days as baseball commissioner. 
a segment that you and I did four years ago. Alex Rodriguez, been listening for a long time, mm-hmm. been waiting for this opportunity, and he took it the first chance he got. So why don't you tell everybody <laughs> what A-Rod would do if he were commissioner? Yeah, so this was on the, the vaunted K-Rod Sunday night special. Still have not watched a single second of it. Still that. have not watched a single second of it. Oh, this- that's a lie. We watched it, but it was muted. Right. At my house on Easter. Yes. Which, if it's muted, really, it I, if an, if an A-Rod calls a baseball game in the forest and no one's around, he, I'm, I don't know. I'm going to end it there. Um, that was pretty good. I like that. It was not even, it was not Five even, out of 10. It, it was not even first hundred days. It was one day. This is oh, 20, if, 24 hours. 24 hours. It's like that TV show, 24. <laughs> yep. We could sell that pilot. It's, it's like, it's like 24 7. That's 24 hours, seven days a week. If A-Rod was commissioner for a day, here are the six things that he would do. Okay. He'd ban steroid suspensions. <laughs> Wait, sorry, good. wrong notes? That'd be good. Agreed. I'm so glad you came around on this. Steroids are good. PEDs yeah. are good. I'm, yeah, I'm Fucking a, nerds. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Up first, make the strike zone more wide and less tall. <laughs> this is well, this is the first number thing he would do. one. No, it's so funny because like you know that these are just things that he thinks about every second of every day. Mm-hmm. So like every time A Rod posts an Instagram, every facial expression he's making, you know that he's not more than ten minutes from having thought, "God, I just wish the strike zone was wider, yep. <laughs> not as tall." Yeah. I, I first, but like before we get into the specifics again like you said it's crazy to me that if this man would be commissioner for a day the thing he wants to tinker with is like minute rule changes yeah like nothing to do about the greater idea of like what baseball is feels like you could make that change without becoming commissioner (laughs) probably you could maybe just become a consultant yes exactly and affect that change (laughs) no you're commissioner (laughs) all right i'm spending my hard-earned political capital on giving an inch off the outside corner. Right, exactly. Hey, man, he's going to reduce that deficit, right? <laughs> he's going to get you that income tax credit. Okay, what's number two? Number two, maybe less surprising, it's it's what he calls the illegal defense, right? He wants to ban the shift. Uh, two infielders on, on either side of second base must have one foot on the dirt. I, again, I think this is... Maybe one of the dumber rule changes. Banning the shift is for babies. Yep, it is. I don't like. I don't. I don't have an intellectual take on this. I just think it's. I just think it's stupid. Like again, want them to stop shifting you? Hit, hit the ball the other way. Well, like okay, it's Alex Rodriguez though. He did. I know. You know, like <laughs> this is the thing. Every single thing that he wants for the sport had no implication on his career. Basically, yeah, right. Hit less home runs. Okay, dude, who almost hit seven hundred home runs. Mm-hmm. Ban the shift. Okay, dude, who could hit to all fields very well. Yeah. I just don't understand that. But okay, sure. Third, open the cameras up for all 60 batting cages. Parentheses. Access from your phones. Give people more content. <laughs> this one is this one is maybe the least surprising one. It's the least surprising. Give people and- more content. If you've ever watched his YouTube channel, you know that he loves a, like a behind the scenes mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Like, here's the behind the scenes on JLo's tour. Yeah. Here's the behind the scenes on why I love tipping pitches. Here's the behind the scenes on me 
teaching my kids how I hit the inside fastball. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> I again, like I, I, this is maybe the least egregious of these rule changes, right? Like, sure, open up all the cameras in the batting cages. It's probably not going to be as interesting as you think. Like, I'm I'm imagining. Joe Schmo sitting at work with his phone, like propped up against his computer, watching Josh Donaldson. Like, it's so weird that you said like, Josh Donaldson. He was the first person that was really? in my mind for this too. <laughs> I don't know why. He's like foul a pitch off, like scratch his crotch, sniff his <laughs> fingers, and then and then like take another hack. You know, <laughs> like I don't know that you want to see everything that goes on down there. More importantly, I don't think players would be down for this. No, <laughs> like. Okay, I have to not curse in the batting cages. Right. Like, no, this would never happen. Okay. Number four? Five? Uh, number four. Ten pitchers max on the roster, comma, limit the amount of call-ups. Again, un- <laughs> I like that he had to add that. Yeah. Limit the amount of call-ups. Right. Um, a lot of people making a lot of fuss about how that's anti-labor. And he, A-Rod's not interested in limiting the amount of options down to the minors, only the amount of call-ups mm-hmm. that you can have, yeah. but whatever. Um, another, another like very minute esoteric rule change. Yeah. This is the thing that keeps the student up at night. It's ridiculous. Also, so like, he has a bad take for a Presidente, Presidente commercial. <laughs> and they're like, Alex, what's wrong? He's like, I just can't stand that the Yankees have 11 pitchers on their roster right yeah. now. I, I have to give it to him. Amazing way to shred some elbows. Just yeah. incredible. Ten pitchers. Okay. Five the, starters. Five starters, five relievers. Like the average baseball team carries like seven right yeah. now. Yeah. Seven or, or eight maybe depending. I think that pitchers are limited as it is right now. Mm-hmm. To 13. Right. 13 or 14. I can't remember. So So he's just like that's 30% too many. <laughs> like, that's crazy, dog. Like, I, I assume that the thinking here, right, is that starters need to, to go deeper into games, right? The, right? the pendulum has swung too far in favor of specialists, in favor of relievers. Fans want to see the, the guy who can grit out seven innings, eight innings, and... That may or may not be true, but like, dude, we're we're past that point. Yeah, like so it's sorry. You can you can talk all you want and try and come up with ways to get fans more interested in the game or to make sure there's more action on the field. But asking guys to just change the way that they train and just change the way that they've like been raised to think about baseball it's just i don't know it's dumb it's another one of these things where like and i know we talk about this all the time but one rule change at the major league level is not going to have the immediate impact on the game that you you might think it is because it's not like these guys it's not like if you had a starting pitcher in the room with us right now if max scherzer was here and you were like max do you just love throwing five innings You'd be like, yeah, I love it. Awesome. Get to hit the showers early. (laughs) No starter thinks that. So it's like, it's the teams who are doing this. And it's the teams making a calculated decision that we have a better arm to bring in. 
it's not like all of a sudden there were a bunch of starters who couldn't throw 115 pitches. Mm-hmm. It's like all of a sudden a bunch of starters were getting lit up on pitches 100 through 115 and some smart people with the Rays realized it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, uh, I don't know. What's Okay, the final thing. Final one is he wants more entertainment like the NFL halftime and NBA shows. When? Where? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that one. Like, those sports have a halftime that lasts 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of built in. You know what baseball doesn't have? More than three minutes between innings. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, SNL performances between every inning, you know? Like, we, we during commercial break, we just have a split screen of, of like, an Omeprazole ad. And Justin Bieber playing his new single. <laughs> is that what A-Rod is envisioning? <laughs> also, just completely flies in the face of wanting to make the game shorter at all, right? A-Rod's like, <laughs> tack on 20 minutes so fans can see Morgan Wallen in like the fourth inning. <laughs> uh, okay, let's take a quick break when we come back. Just a couple quick questions and then um, some Patreon updates. Okay, Alex. Most of these questions came from the Tipping Pitches Slack, also known as Slacking Pitches, which you can get access to if you are a patron of this here podcast. By going to patreon.com backslash tipping pitches or by just clicking the link to it in the description here. Uh, first question comes from Mew Yabby. Do you ever keep score when you go to baseball games? You know, I haven't as of late because I usually end up going with like some friends and wow, you don't I, want them to think you're a nerd. <laughs> I really just I I just enjoy talking with them. I enjoy, enjoy talking with folks like like yourself. Um, I hate talking to you at baseball games. I know, I know, it's true. That's why we always decide to sit at opposite ends of our <laughs> of our friends. No, I think bro. the friends decide that we need to sit <laughs> yeah, at opposite know, ends so exactly. that other people can talk to us. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we cannot put you two together, um, sitting next to each other, looking up the spin rates in real time. I have no kept- wonder he swung through that fastball. <laughs> exactly. It had a thirty four hundred RPM. Yeah. Hey, babe, do you want to go get another beer? Shut up. I'm calculating win probability. <laughs> um, I enjoy keeping score at baseball games, like if I'm going alone or something like that, because A, I think it's a nice souvenir to have. It's the kind of thing that no one else has. No one probably keeps score like you do. Everyone does it a little bit differently. It's like a handwriting or something like that. And think of handwriting, the listeners of Tiffany Pitches don't know that alex has beautiful handwriting i don't know about that beautiful handwriting wonderful lefty which you also wouldn't know even from looking at the handwriting <laughs> uh, you Just will actually that's not, that's not true you will be able to tell because it'll be smudged oh, all the way down that's a good point uh just another reason to sign up for the top tier of the tipping pitches patreon to get a handwritten card from us so true holiday card to see how beautiful his handwriting is anyway i distracted you no, I mean, I yeah, keeping score is fun. It's a really good way, uh, as as the listener says, to be really in tune with like what is going on. It really forces you to to pay attention. I don't know. What about you? 
I don't keep score. Um, I probably haven't kept score since like middle school. Okay. It's the last time I actually kept score at a baseball game. Uh, I don't know. I think it's fun and cool. I just don't do it. <laughs> Maybe I'll <Fair>. start now. <laughs> um, okay, that leads us into our next question. Uh, this comes from Paul. Paul says, I've recently started buying some sort of commemorative or branded baseball at each ballpark I visit. What in-person game day traditions do you have? Whether consumerist or not. Um, being an anxious mess <laughs> when I'm watching the Mets. My in-person game day tradition for being a Mets fan is cursing loudly when they give up runs. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I, I don't, I don't have a thing that I do at every single baseball game besides sing take me out to the ball game. Naturally. I do love a good souvenir cup. <laughs> I will say. As, I, as your cabinet could tell you. Yeah, I have like nine of the exact same plastic A's souvenir beer cups. They're great. They're great water cups. They're big. Right. Uh, so I love, I love snagging one of those. I got a really nice one. Uh, when we went to the Mets game a few weeks ago, that was like actually like hefty, right? I just... To hell with the environment. <laughs> uh, yes, I use my uh, my paper straw to drink out of it, so it all kind of evens out. Um, I mean, I don't know. Or just getting a good photo. Like I photos of of the park oh, yeah, or yeah. like of the game are probably the way that I best remember like what games i went to like if i'm ever not sure when the game was or who i was there with or if i'm just like curious how many games i've gone to in a year i can easily like just go back and you know my phone handily uh notes where i've been everywhere at all times (laughs) and uh and throws that onto my photos so it makes it easy for me thanks tim cook uh I usually take photos of games, but I, I don't like put them in a folder or anything. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next question. Sporto on Twitter asks, what is the appropriate amount of rooting for the home team when they're a division rival? I'm a Yankees fan living in Maryland and want to go to Camden a lot this summer. The Orioles aren't going to make or break the Yankees success this year, but it's still weird rooting for them. How much are you allowed to root for your team's potential division rival? If you're going to their home stadium a lot. I see. So this is not necessarily going to see the Yankees at Camden Yards. It's just going to any given Orioles game. Yes. This is like if you lived in Los Angeles, which you refuse to do like a coward, even though I tried to get you to come all the time. Oh, well, you're back. So what does that say about your time there? Um, and you went to Angels games all the time. Mm-hmm. Even when they weren't playing the A's. Right. How much are you allowed to root for the Angels? Uh, I don't know that there's a, a rule of thumb necessarily again i think it depends on the context a little bit how good your favorite team is how good said division rival is for example i would have no issue going to angels games right now and and rooting for the angels because i'm i'm not really worried about them posing a threat to the a's the a's are arguably the biggest threat to themselves right now (laughs) um alex is an angels fan now confirmed yeah i mean I say do it as much as you want because it's not really like you have an impact on it anyway. And it's kind of fun to be in a stadium full of people who are cheering, you know, like, like we go to sports games and follow sports because we want to be a part of something. And so if that means 
donning a different team's hat and cheering when Cedric Mullins hits a home run legend, then so be it. Because that's, I don't know, it's fun. I don't think I would wear a division rival's hat personally. Mm -hmm. But that is because my division is full of despicable franchises run by despicable people with despicable players whom I hate. Right. (laughs) Now, I've I've been to many Dodgers games wearing a Dodgers hat. Mm -hmm. You're wearing a a Petco Park hat right now. I've worn a Tatis jersey many many a time to a ballpark. My cousins think that that is sacrilege. I frequently get shit from them for doing that, but I don't care. Everybody has their line. If you yeah. ha- if you have fun and you feel comfortable rooting for the Orioles when they're not playing the Yankees, another awful evil franchise. Right. Do that. No yeah. one's going to no one's going to come get you. Right. I think take away your fandom card. <laughs> Yankees fans are fake anyway. You're not a real person. <laughs> Thank you for writing in this question. We really appreciate it. We know that you're just pretending to like the Yankees. There's right. no real Yankees right. fan. It's okay. You're you're safe here. Okay. Ready for the final question? Yeah. Final question comes from Jake in our Slack. I'm sure you'll touch on this already, but how does it feel recording after starting the Patreon and seeing the reception? It feels wonderful. Crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, as of recording, uh, 142 people. I assume all of whom listen to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, 142 people signed up and <laughs> before we launched the Patreon, Alex and I were joking. We were saying that we'd feel pretty good if, if a hundred people signed up in the first six months of launching the Patreon. Well, a hundred people signed up in the first six days of launching the Patreon. We are incredibly, incredibly thankful. Uh, we've talked to most of you through Patreon already and many of you on the Slack. If you are not in the Slack yet, but you signed up for the Patreon, just check your Patreon inbox. You should have a link in there. If that is expired, just just DM us again. We'll send you a new one. I'll say for myself, Alex, and then I'll stop rambling, and then we'll read the names of everybody who signed up for the Patreon to say thank you. Um, I'll say for myself, this is almost like a mandate from our listeners to like keep doing what we're doing yeah. and keep trying harder to do it even better than we've done it in the past, this amount of support and this amount of love is just going to go so far in, in helping us make a better podcast and maybe in the future, make more episodes of this podcast and make more creative projects that we know that you'll like and appreciate. Um, so a very, very genuine wholehearted. Thank you to everyone who signed up for the Patreon in this, this past week. Yeah, we really appreciate everyone who has shown us, so much love and shot us messages as they've signed up saying so happy to support so glad you guys are doing this alex that florence y'all's shirt looks amazing on you while you're recording this episode <laughs> um really it means that it means the world to us and and you know i think sometimes it's hard for us to to know how y'all are responding um and so to have this really concrete display of support from all you listeners has has been really really overwhelming and uh, frankly a little emotional so i you know i just from the bottom of my heart from our hearts we want to say we want to say thank you heart exactly (laughs) i have to say the slack is just going off popping people are in there 
it's a beautiful, lovely little community. Yeah. Small but small but wonderful. Yeah. Is is this is this like what Mark Zuckerberg felt like? <laughs> you know? I except without the questionable morals. Not even gonna touch that. Not even gonna touch that. Uh okay. Here is where we say thank you to everybody who signed up. Uh on the tipping pitches Patreon, you'll notice that it mentions when you sign up for any tier as a new patron, you'll get a thank you shout out on the podcast. And if you sign up for the top tier, you will get shouted out. Five of you will be shouted out at the end of every podcast. Originally, and you could tell we didn't realize how many people were going to sign up for the <laughs> Patreon because originally we said we were going to shout out every Alex Rodriguez VIP club person at the end of every podcast. Um, like over 50 people, over 50 of you signed up for that tier. And I don't think that everybody wants to hear 50 names read off at the end of every podcast. And I apologize if you do. We will read five of every five of those names at the end of every podcast. So you will get your shout out as a producer level supporter of this podcast. Uh, at least a few times, you know, on a rotating basis. Here we go. Thank you to Alexander, Connor, Jacob, Becca, Chip, Steve, Phil, Lachlan, JT, Kieran, Josh, and Julie. Thank you to David, Eric, Jaime, Sam, Francesca, Jake, Jesse, Doink, Ben, Mike, Troy, our friends at Batting Around. Who also have a Patreon. Go check that out if you're a Batting Around enjoyer. And if you're not, go check out their podcast. We love that podcast. Sam, Allie, Mike. I can say his last name here. Mike Schubert. Big friend of the show. Been on the show multiple times. Um, and I feel like I should give him a quick shout out because he was, he was very helpful in helping us launch this. So thank you, Mike. Really appreciate you, Shoops. Justine, Neil, Kyle, Tony, Lisa, who's already a producer of this podcast. Thanks, Mom. Alex's mom, Grace, and Ian. Thank you to Joe, Destin, Nicholas, Lucas, Paul, Maddie, Anne, Eddie, and Brian. Thanks to Riley, Brett, Quentin, Josh, Henry, Ben, Aaron, Kara, and friend of the podcast, Austin Zimmerman, who's been on the show, so I can say his last name as well. Thank you, Alex, Siobhan, Adam, Mike, Stephen of Batting Around Fame, Mui Abbey, Cameron, Brayden, David, Brittany, and Zachary. Thanks to Jose, Michael, we're now two for two on Alex's parents, Holly, Kyle, S.A., Britt, Amanda, Prof Salty, Anita, and Katie. Thank you, Matthew, Esteban, Shocker. More friends of the show. My, he, of, he of how many no-hitters would it take to make the <laughs> Hall of Fame theory fame? Mike, Arcee, Justin, Mario, Alexis, Jake, Kevin, and Taylor. Thank you, Dan, Craig, Kelly, Josh, Ben, Christian, Adam, and Tristan. Thank you, Drake, Chris, and Drake, Drake. Drake loves the pod. Alex, Josie, Kevin, Sam. Anthony, Sam, Thad, Matt, and Nicholas. Thanks to Juliana, Austin, Tim, Rebecca, Mark, Owen, Mikhail, Now I Only Want to Triumph, Amos, and Jesse. Thanks to Corey, Austin, Cal, Chris, and Mari, Dante, Patrick, Alex, and Ian. Thank you to our absolute fave, Shakia Taylor, Natalie, Benjamin, Owen, Lojo, Mara, 
Ian, Alex, Steven, a lot of Stevens, a lot of Alex's. You just have like some kind of group chat where you get people to sign up for this, this, <laughs> this Patreon. <laughs> Mike and Diogo. Thank you, Adam, Alex. Another one. Heather, <laughs> Justin. Zero Bobby's, 20 Alex's. Kevin, James, Larissa, and my grandmother, Margarita. <laughs> um, all of you make doing this podcast possible. All of you are our absolute faves. Thank you particularly to everyone who signed up at that top tier. Like I said, we will read five names from that top tier on every podcast going forward. And I promise there won't be a 142 name list to read at the end of every podcast. Uh, there will just be the new people who sign up that week uh, since the last time we did an episode. I think that's about enough. Uh, we appreciate you all so much. And go check out the merch. Tippingpitches.myshopify.com If you're a patron, make sure you use your Patreon code. It's what you signed up for. And we will be back next week. This love is good. This love is bad. This love is Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!